is Hedy Lamar, erased by the same world that made her a star. Spun out of beauty, trapped by its web, she's a perfect cocoon. Entwined in gold thread, her beauty is spectacle, her thoughts too pure. The light of her being, her exotic allure. Was torn at the seams for daring to dream. It's so hard to speak when you're frozen in. Scream. Yes, it's all what it seems. Feels like a dream, but it's life and it's death. Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. This week joining us, Mike Johnson and Tom Dupree from Phoenix, Arizona. Hello, Tom. Yeah, I have no idea what this music is. I didn't pick it, but uh, somebody, you all, you might tell me what it is. Okay, it is, it is the same thing. We had a little board malfunction, listeners, and I had to reformat everything. This is Johnny Depp. And Jeff Kerr, and I think we can actually hear the creepiness. Jeff Beck. Jeff Beck. Jeff Beck. I meant. Um, you, we can actually hear the creepiness of Johnny Depp in this song. That's why I put this instead. Okay. Doesn't well, this sound good. more like Johnny Depp? Well, I was kind of hoping to hear the guitar work of, of Jeff Beck, not the uh, creepiness of Johnny Depp. But that's fine. <laughs> I mean, we can do whatever you want. Uh, sort of. Yeah. So, anyway, welcome to the I Tom hope, Dupree Show. Are. Let's talk about some business. You got it. There's Jeff Beck. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. So John. One of the things that go ahead. No, uh, I was going to say. So Johnny Depp, he's he's in a group called the Hollywood Vampires, or at least he was, and that's like one of these uh, super groups. Alice Cooper and. Uh, Joe Perry from Aerosmith and several others, and he he plays guitar. And I've not I've, even after hearing this, I've not heard him sing yet. But you know, he's uh, uh, I think I think Jeff Beck might have been looking for some star power. Go maybe get get some listeners. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about it. That he's not a guy who's extremely well known among the average person, and you know, it's weird what people don't know these days. I was somewhere with some people that I would say were in their 20s and 30s. And I started talking about Linda Ronstadt. And they looked at me with this blank look. And they said, you know, who's that? And uh, I said, Linda Ronstadt. She has been a really famous singer over the years and then one of the girls got on her uh, phone and looked her up and said wow she won a couple of Grammys now think about that you know no clue I mean this is what you're dealing with these days no no clue no memory because they never knew it in the first place therefore they can't remember anything 
they don't have anything to remember. But I, I don't need to get off on that. That's just. But I, I tell you, we do see it in the investment business uh, with this idea of kind of what I would call investor memory. And, you know, people get scared. And rather than remembering, well, the last time this happened, um, you know, I bought things and held them and they came back and I made a, a lot more money the second time around than I lost the first, but they don't remember things very well. So you get these people peddling, um, fixed annuities and index annuities and they're, the only thing that helps them sell those things is fear. That's yeah. all. Yeah. It's just, it's totally driven by fear. It's never good. We had investors over the years that whenever the market would get extremely cheap, they would sell. And they simply could not help themselves. Some people it's almost like our kind of, uh, not financially, psychologically, uh, not really designed real well to, to manage their own portfolio. And I understand that. I've had troubles myself, you know, and I'm in the business. I've sold at the wrong time, several times. It helps, you know, to have somebody that will simply say, listen, this is not a good time to think about selling. Why don't we add a little here? And then you go out and play golf <laughs> or do something, you know, completely different than what you're thinking about right now. That's right. So, so. yeah, uh, what you're talking about is, um, in behavioral finance called recency bias. And um, there's a whole uh, – line of thinking around behavioral finance. It's more the psychology, why people do what they do with their money uh, and investments. <clears throat> but recency bias, uh, it it's just the natural human inclination to, with whatever's happened recently, that that's you extrapolate that out, that you think that that's going to continue. Um, and that yeah. can be a market going up, a market going sideways, a market going down. Um, and to your point, knowing history, um, you, you, you lack the, the perspective, um, and, and all you do, you get bombarded every day, all day long with news, uh, you know, television, to give, everything. give them, give them some examples of just real life. Well, let's, yeah, uh, let's, without using any names. Well, I'll give you a, a general one, and then I'll, I'll I'll do a specific one that I've seen. But generally, so let's say you're trying to time the market or recency bias in 2020. Uh, so in Feb, from February to March of 2020, the S and P 500 was down about 20 percent. From March to April of 2020, there was a, a, a more than a trillion dollars that went into money market funds. So the market goes down, people sell, goes to cash, and then in April to May, the S&P 500's up 18%. So 
they were extrapolating out what happened in February and March for a longer period of time. I've seen it real life. I've never seen market timing work or, you know, where you let the emotions come in and you do the exact opposite of what you should be right before the election in 2020. Um, right. I can't tell you how many phone calls uh, we had sell everything because X is going to win the election. I had it on both sides. Um, and <laughs> it, it literally, I mean, I had one phone call and then the next call five minutes later was, you know, Biden's going to win, sell everything. Market's going down five minutes later, a call Trump's going to win, sell everything. Market's going to tank. So, and I told them both the exact same thing. The market is bigger than who's in politics. You know, the markets have seen stupidity. Markets have seen regulations, taxes, and it's not to minimize what's going on politically. It has repercussions. It has an impact on the market, but the, what is the market? The market is people buying. Yeah. Buying and selling it, it, of companies. It is people. It is people. I mean, the thing about it is, you know, people get this idea that, oh, the market's going to do this. And I'm thinking in a way that nobody out there is thinking. <laughs> I'm going to be smart and do this because the market's going to do that. And they think, Oh, I must be the only guy thinking about this. And, you know, I don't know whether people just, and the other thing is they fail to see how they're being manipulated by the media. Yeah. That's right. It's like like us right now. We're trying to manipulate people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we are the media, right? Yeah, we're the media. Now, don't you feel like you're being manip- <laughs> manipulated? Now, listen to our show. You know, we're trying to, like, get inside your brain and tell you, you know, everything you think is wrong. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the, the, the point is, so much of media really is geared towards uh, – it just seems like it, it's geared towards selling a certain point of view. One of the things where I think we are a little different than media, at least, yeah, we do this show because it is an advertisement for, for our firm. Yes, I'll tell you that right up front. I, if I didn't think we would get business by doing this radio show, I'd quit tomorrow. So it is that way, but the point is it's not to get you to do this or that out of fear. It's to get you to think for yourself and make your own decisions. And I don't have to make you do that. All all I can do is encourage you to do it. You're going to do it yourself if you're going to do it. And, um, but think about it. If everybody is doing this and they all are saying, get out and they're all getting out, wouldn't it be possible that some bargains would be created. I mean, go figure. Mm-hmm. Well, and 
the other big difference, we're not selling a product. You know, it, it's not, let, let's say, let's say we were hawking annuities. This is, and this is why you have to be careful as a consumer, as an investor, think about things. The emotions are running high right now. Politically, you got the market. Everything is kind of, we're, we're in an upside down world right now. We've got depreciating assets that are going up in price. We've got the market going down, all these different things that are going on. Now is the prime time that sharks are going to come out there and try to sell you things right now that in all likelihood, not always, but in all likelihood, you're going to regret buying several years down the road. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, annuities. Go ahead, ahead Tom. I'm just eating this um, really good almond butter cup that I just got. And I'm kidding. That drives Elizabeth nuts. <laughs> the point is, yeah, it, I did eat one of those. They're really good. Uh, but I'm in Arizona, so you can't see me, right? We uh, can hear you. <laughs> The point that I'm trying to make is this. Please do. They will hit you. They will hit you when you are at your weakest. They will try to take advantage of your fear and all that stuff. And I've just been running an ad that says, "When you're fearful, be courageous." Do what you know is the right thing. If you've done your research about or somebody has done it for you and you trust them about what you own, add to it. Stay with what you got. You're going to do okay, especially if, if research means anything. You know, that's why we do research. We don't do research for the good times. We do it for the rough times. That's right. We do we do it for the times when we know we're going to have to look back on the work we did and say, okay, take a deep breath. Was I right about this? And let me tell you something. I don't care if you've been doing it for 44 years like I have. You still get butterflies. You think, ah, I might have screwed up on this one. That's why you got to go back and reexamine your research. Exactly. And – there, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal. Um, it, was, it was talking about the fund flows into uh, fixed annuities this year. Yeah. Um, been $74 billion put into fixed annuities this year. And, that, and that's $5 billion more than what was put in at the peak of the financial crisis. So people are scared right now. Uh, they're scared of... Just everything going on in the world, everything going on in the markets, people are scared, and annuities are sold to them as they they are sold. <laughs> First off, they are sold to them uh, as as a one trick pony. As this this will fix everything, it doesn't because zoom out, get perspective on things. We've been doing this in in our, our review meetings with our clients here recently. I'm drawing basically a chart of what the market has done this year. And what we're telling them is here, it's a down chart, down, downward sloping chart. At some point, it's going to start turning up. 
And then you're going to have more volatility, ups and downs in the future. We don't know what that time horizon is between now and that future-looking chart. But what we do know is if we're able to buy good companies, incrementally add two positions, add new positions in the portfolio, and when we look at, when you zoom out, get perspective, and look out 5, 10, 15 years, you're probably going to be glad that you bought the things, even if there is more short-term downside. So we're not trying to time the market. We're looking at companies, management. We're looking at the business, dividends, growth prospects. We're looking at things like that. We're not trying to read the tea leaves on what's going to happen short-term in the market because we don't know. Right, and... The thing is, look at some of the companies we're buying, and I'll just talk about them briefly. AGNC, it's a mortgage REIT. What does that mean? That All that means is they own a whole bunch of government-guaranteed mortgage bonds, and they have some leverage, which means that they uh, borrow against them in the repo market in order to hold them, and they earn more interest on the bonds, then they pay interest on the repos. Um, and the shareholder of AGNC gets to collect the dividend based on the spread. It's very similar to what a bank does, except for the fact that number one, uh, they don't have a branch and a big, a lot of big real estate and all these employees and they don't have car loans. <laughs> they don't have uh, to uh, consumers that can go into default. They have loans to the government, guaranteed by the government. So we think it's a much cleaner deal, and the dividend is quite nice. It's high. I'm not going to tell you how high. You have to come in to talk to us. We own that, but we have to watch it. You think, well, I'll just go out and buy it. Yeah, you could, but it trades in a range, and sometimes it gets above book value, and it might you might want to look at getting out. Those are the calculations we do. Another thing that's dirt cheap right now is a company called Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, they uh, are the spinoff from AT&T. They've got all the Turner properties. they got the Warner Brothers properties. They got CNN, they got the Discovery Channel, and the various uh, cable channels, quite a bit of media properties. The stock's trading at under 14 bucks. It was at 30 when it came public, and even there it was probably cheap. They've got a guy named David Zaslav, who's the CEO running it, and the, the dude is like a man on fire. So, you know, if you look and dig, you can find things that are really cheap. Now, in order for them to not be so cheap, other people have to discover them too, and people have to start uh, bidding up the price of them. That's what a value investor does. You go in when things are cheap, you buy, and then you wait. Now, if you can get dividends while you wait on some of these things, you can wait a long time because that's the case with AGNC, for instance. 
So this is kind of what we try to do. And during times like this, we actually like to see times like this because it gives us a chance to buy some values. And then the way that all those work together, the different pieces, you know, you have something like Warner Brothers Discovery, AG&C, other dividend-paying investments inside the portfolio. They, they, they act typically differently from one another. They each serve a purpose, and that's, that's where you get in. You, you graduate from, you know, I'm picking a stock to – we're picking stocks for a retirement portfolio or for a particular type of client. That's that's even the next step where do the investments match what your goals are? Uh, is it invested appropriately? And uh, we, we can get into that in the next segment because seeing that more and more and more this year where people have not been invested as they should have been given where they are in their stage of life. Well, I'll tell you something I think people are completely wrong about, but it's counterintuitive. They think in terms of preserving the money that they have. Oh, I've got, they, they almost look at their retirement account like a checking account. All right. We got to jump right there, Tom. You're listening to the Tom Dupree show with Mike Johnson. Nothing on this show is a recommendation to buy or sell securities. While stocks in the stock market will be discussed on this program, check with your financial advisor before investing. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show. Joining us this week is Mike Johnson. And on the phone from Phoenix, Arizona, Tom Dupree. That's your okay. cue, Tom. <laughs> what I was talking about was uh, that people look at their uh, retirement account kind of the same way you would look at a checking account. They think, oh, I've got X amount of money in there, and that's all I've got. What they're not thinking about is the amount of cash flow 
that can generate because people do not live on their principal if they don't have to. They live on their cash flow. How much am I producing? How much is coming in every month? You don't, you know, if, if you just live off your principal, you're crazy. Your principal needs to be invested in such a way that it's throwing off cash flow. And this is, we're in a market right now that is giving people an extraordinary opportunity to buy some things at significant discounts. And when you get them at significant discounts, you're actually getting a better yield. In other words, yield is basically income divided by price of the thing you're buying. And that gives you a percentage yield. And if you can get your percentage yield up in this market where some of these things are really dirt cheap, you can actually increase your income from your uh, retirement account significantly right now. And specifically to that point, the the market got complacent. It, it, investors got complacent the last 10 years. Um, Big time. You, you look at... 401k plans or people that are retiring coming out of a 401k and or 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 even in managed accounts it was almost an assumed uh it it was an assumption that you can invest for growth even if you're in retirement if you're drawing from your portfolio that you can invest in growth stocks and they're going to continue to grow recency biased they're going to continue to grow so you can take profits at the same schedule that you need to take distributions to live on. Uh, because when the market's going up, that works fine. What? Look at what's going on right now. Down market, growth is down. Growth is down the most. And if you're still taking distributions, you're selling your growth when it's way, way down. But that's the only way that you can produce an income stream from that is by selling shares while it's down. And I've seen a number of accounts, portfolios that were quote-unquote actively managed coming out of 401ks, 403bs that have been just kind of left on autopilot in growth. And now it's just, they're just kind of left there, you know, holding the bag. It's like, okay, yeah. so complacency, we, we talk about having a long-term plan. That's one thing. Have a long-term plan with something that actually works, that is suitable for what your needs are, first off. Don't stick with something long-term just because you should, because maybe you do need to make a change. Um, you, you can't stay static in the market. Uh, you can't just blindly hold on to something uh, and hope that time fixes it because it may not. Time may, might make it worse. Well, back to the cash flow thing. Interest rates got so low for so long that it was really hard to invest in anything and get much of a yield. And the things that you did invest in that were paying a yield were so expensive that you knew you were going to get your head handed to you at some point, you know, because there wasn't any way they could go up. They were trading above book or whatever. And, you know, they weren't going to get 
from one and a half times book to two and a half times book. Just wasn't going to happen on certain things. So you really wasn't a lot you could do. Everything had gotten so expensive. Mm-hmm. Now, let me just say something. If you own, let's say you own commercial real estate or residential real estate that you lease out, uh, you know, rent out. And, you know, you've seen some rent increases here recently and you're doing pretty good with it. But the prices are really high on some of these things. And that market hasn't really corrected in the same way that the uh, uh, public publicly traded markets have corrected. We're seeing things in here that are just significantly lower than what's going on in commercial real estate or in residential real estate. If you're thinking about taking, and I'm seeing more for sale signs out there. I don't know if it's investors or actual residents, but let's just say if some of it were investors and you're taking money off the table and you're looking around to do a 1031 and you're finding, gosh, everything's still expensive. If I buy something in here, with this money and, you know, do the 1031 exchange, I'm going to be paying too much. And at some point I'm going to look at a loss. I would say, go ahead and pay the taxes and look at buying some of these things in the public markets. We can show you ideas because you could potentially get as much or maybe even more of a yield after you, you know, pay taxes and that sort of thing as you were getting before, and then you will have paid your taxes and these uh, illiquid pieces of property that are in your estate, uh, you've now swapped them out for something liquid, which can be more easily uh, subdivided to your heirs and to uh, charities or whoever you want to maybe give money to. You're going from something illiquid to something liquid and from a market that hasn't corrected yet, which is real estate, to one that has corrected, which are the public equity markets. The other thing about that, too, you're talking about the 1031 exchange. You know, with with an investment account, um, when someone passes, you also get the stepped-up cost basis, you know, for beneficiaries. And so you still have some of the same components there. Um, so it, it, it's it's a case by case basis, and it's something we can you know take <coughs> excuse me take a look at. You know, does it make sense to do that? Um, because it's it's all about cash flow. It's about liquidity, and again, even with the real estate side of things, it's about being invested because it is an investment. It's about being invested for where you are in life. Exactly. And the thing is, everybody at some point is going to have to, uh, let's just say, pay the tax man. You're going to have to, uh, you know, if if you've owned commercial real estate, if you've owned residential real estate for, uh, for rental property, uh, there's going to come a point where you're going to have to cash out, you know, and, and everybody said, wow, it just keeps going up. Nothing goes up forever. Just remember 06 and 07 and 08 and 09 and what happened to houses back then. Yes, you can lose money 
in real estate. It can go down. It doesn't. There's nothing that says it has to go up. And the way, last time I looked, the way you do well in investing of any kind is you buy things when nobody else wants them. And we're looking at that and seeing things like that in our markets right now. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, when you talk to someone right now about investing, you know, if, if they have cash on the sidelines or even it's about reallocation of uh, holdings, um, everybody, you, you get this immediate, you, you, you can feel them tense up. Um, it's like you want, you want to buy stocks. I mean, it, it's that emotion. You can feel it when you talk about it. When, when you're looking at real estate, Generally, people yeah, I aren't. Mean, well, the, one, the thing I say to people is don't think of it as a stock or the stock market. Think of it as a piece of a business that trades on the daily markets, but that you can buy a piece of a business at a really good value right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I mean, this is the time to strike, folks. I mean, if you've been thinking about talking, you know, I don't typically get on here like a carnival barker and say, hey, come on in under the big top. We got, you know, it's a hell of a deal today. But I'm doing that right now because I see, and I've been through enough of these markets over the years, I I cannot embarrass myself. I've already embarrassed myself about every way that I ever could. Now, I can embarrass my wife, but, uh, you know. I'm bulletproof at this point, too. Yeah, she'll get over it, too. The point I'm trying to make is take a look right now, guys. This is a good time. Get off your tails. And and if you're sitting on a piece of uh, property or something that, you know, or money, cash, that's just laying around, you're saying, you know, I'm not making any money in my money market fund and, and I'm getting hammered by inflation, but at least it's still there. Here's a way to get in some things that would throw off some significant dividends and stem what inflation is doing to your cash, help you somehow fight against it by getting a return that'll keep your purchasing power. We would like to see it stay up with and even beat inflation. Uh, but it, let's just work on staying up with inflation at this point. And then, uh, and then maybe uh, down the road, you take a, a profit on some of these things. We're looking at some of this stuff right now. And uh, some of these things have pulled back in price a lot more than the Dow Jones and the S&P have. Well, you, you control what you can, can control. Um, and you know, we don't control the market. Uh, we don't control the housing market. Uh, as an investor, you control what you can control. And that can be the the allocation, the way that it's invested, um, changing if it's invested appropriately for you. Um, it, it, there's there's so many things. But let's talk talk real quick. You know, to people that are retired and that you've been drawing on your portfolio. Well, in this environment, uh, if you've been invested for growth or something that's not throwing off cash flow. Um, now's the time to be looking, uh, at what other opportunities are out there. Um, and 
it, it, it might be a real hard discussion when we sit down with you. Uh, it depends on your withdrawal rate. We'll be real honest with you. I had one of these a couple weeks ago. Um, what we're doing is riding the ship. Um, when the, when this withdrawal started, it was about a 5% withdrawal rate, which is higher than what we recommend generally. Um, but because of what the investments have done on this uh, new client, um, now it was a higher withdrawal rate, um, higher than 5%. And what we're going to have to do is reduce the withdrawal rate, control what you can control, Change your expenses where you can. Get cash flow in order. That's the first step. So we're reducing the withdrawal rate, getting the money reinvested in a way that fits with that uh, goal, and then over time, hopefully increase the dollar amount, but stay within a, a reasonable percentage withdrawal rate. Um, so there are things that you can do. You're never beyond the point of fixing something. You know, it's always, we'll talk to you where you are, where your situation is today and see what, what options you have. Um, you know, that, that's, that's what we do. You know, we try to find solutions for where people are. Also, Mike, we can adjust what that account will throw off, right? By mixing uh, dividend with growth, so you can actually, if you needed to throw off more than what our typical account might in terms of throw off in terms of income, we can uh, we can uh, adjust that higher or lower based on the uh, uh, individual circumstances. Yes, uh, absolutely, um, and, and that's all done in the context of a meeting too. Um, you know, we'll always go over pros and cons, um, you know, depending on, uh, how nervous you are about things, you know, cause what we want is we, we want to have a plan that our clients can stick with for a long time. And what we don't want to ever have happen is somebody that actually can't handle any volatility and then they come in and they say that they can, but then they can't. And then they end up selling everything when the market's down. We haven't done them any good. Uh, so we're always very upfront, you know, talking about what will the dynamics of the portfolio be. Um, and, and it is, we will customize it to whatever your needs are. If it needs to be more income, if it, whatever it is, we'll work up a plan uh, to, to try to get you there. So you got really two kinds of investments when you get right down to it. You got growth investments, and these are investments that don't pay a current dividend typically, or they might pay a small one, small one. And we're investing it in them primarily for capital appreciation. In other words, we're going to buy it at 50 and we hope it goes to a hundred or higher, you know, so we want to maybe get 20 to 30, 40, 50%, maybe double the money. And we're not going to really get any dividends in the meantime, but we're going to hope that the, the price of the stock goes higher. So that's a growth investment. The other kind is an income investment. That's going to be a, a, an investment that you're buying primarily for the dividend. So you're you're hoping to continue to get an income from that investment. 
Now, can you have investments that are a combination of both of them? They pay dividends, and you're hoping that they grow. Absolutely, and we love those. So now in one, in one kind of investment, you're going to get growth and income is if things work properly. What happened leading up to uh, what's gone on in the last few months is that people were highly focused on growth to the point where they were pushing it higher and higher all the time. And they were also highly focused on income to where they were buying up income producing things, which drove up their price and drove down the yield on new purchases. So really both sides of the market were not values. They weren't very cheap. And you, you, you had a lot of stuff happening in 2020. Market got dirt cheap, then it went up like nuts, and it went obviously too high. So now you're seeing a pullback, and it's created a value in several things out there, and this is what we're focused on right now. Exactly. And be, be investors, be careful trying to uh, call a bottom. Uh, you know, there, there's all kinds of things out there uh, where you look at a, a average uh, PE, you know, the cyclically adjusted PE, all these different things. I, I was reading something back in 09. Uh, this is interesting. Um, at the time, uh, at the bottom of the financial crisis, uh, stocks traded at about 13 times their long-term earnings. And that's that's adjusted for inflation going back to 1881 that was only about 20 percent cheaper than the long-term average so it, it was cheaper than the average but if you're out there looking hey I, i'm waiting for a you know a 30 40 percent of the market average decline uh, or, or lower pe um it, it may not happen i mean the market isn't sitting there asking what you what you want <laughs> the market's going to do what the market does so it, it's it's the folly of trying to time the market but if we're able to buy looking at it instead of just the market if we're able to buy a company that's trading at less than one times book value and then we look at that historically well that might make sense the market may not make sense but that one company could make sense uh, as an investment you know, one thing that I heard a guy say one time, the market does not do research. The market does emotions. People do research. Markets don't do research. So don't look or expect the stock market to do your research for you. That is not a good way to invest. The best way to do it is to do your own research and then take advantage of what the market is feeling on any given day to find, try to find some values. All right, that's a wrap for this week. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Mike Johnson. If you'd like to come see us, 859-233-0400. And our website is dupreefinancial.com. Doesn't ever hurt to have another set of eyes, and we have done lots of research. Give us a call. We'll talk to you next week.